Hello and welcome to another episode of the Swinging Bunt Podcast. I do need to apologize. Last week I was deathly ill, so we did not have a show last week. So we have some catching up to do as we want to get things ready as the regular season comes closer and closer. So spring training has started. There's a lot to talk about. And on today's show, we're going to talk about some college baseball, some spring baseball coming up a little bit, our crazy stats, just and uh, good old... Good old uh, national pastime. So without further ado, this is Swinging Bump Podcast. I'm Jake. This is James and Wes. And thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. You can always uh, catch us on any of our Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or anything like that. Also, we are on Patreon, so if you want to support us there with the money, feel free. And uh, as always, you can ask us any questions anywhere that you can find us. So, let's talk about this American League Central, right? I want to get right into it. Also, did any of you guys happen to catch any spring training games? Very little. Yeah, I just saw stats and stuff of the Braves, but that's mm-hmm. it. Nothing really else. That's all I really followed. I had two happy moments today. I was driving, and I said, well, Rachel was driving, and I looked at my phone, <laughs> and I said, oh, look, mm-hmm. the Astros lost. That's good, and the Indians <laughs> won. <laughs> so <laughs> I I didn't know that's how I was going to feel, Just, uh, but I'm sorry, Wes. I don't think that I'm going to find myself not rooting for the Astros once all year, so I don't. That's uh, okay. It's just the way hey, it is. <laughs> we are we are okay being the villain this year. So you yeah, are going to root for the Astros cuz I know when we talked about it before you didn't know how you were going to do it. You know, at first I was like a little upset, but now that everyone's coming out attacking us, I'm a little defensive. So I'm like, you know defensive what? Defensive of what? Yeah. They're attacking I'm, you because you I'm, cheated, Wesley. They cheated. Hey, hey, There's you know nothing you can say. I'm sure, There's no defense. I'm sure if we, if we if they did investigations for every team in baseball, oh, they would goodness. find something. See, so, when we no talked to no one's hands are clean in this. When we yes, the other twenty nine teams' hands are clean because they didn't get caught cheating. <laughs> oh, well, twenty eight because Red Sox well, get caught cheating. Yeah. Well, oh we will, man, see, first time we discussed this, Wesley, you were a credible Astros fan. You were upset, and I was like, you know what? At least he understands. He's not defending his team here. But now you're just the old biased Astros fan that's gonna <laughs> stand by his team no matter what. Ugh, makes me makes me puke. Stand by, stand makes by me your puke. team. You know what? Yeah. I'm tired of Aaron Judge and everyone calling us scumbags. Like, hey, we uh. But West, they, know, 
they were we scumbags. We cheated in 17, but we got back to the World Series in 19. Oh, cheating. and the Yankees. And very well, oh, so very well, we're likely this, cheating then too. <laughs> yeah, this is my one thing about the Yankees fans. Beltron was with y'all the previous four seasons. Came to the Astros in 17. Was an advisor with the Yankees in 18 and 19. You're telling me y'all didn't cheat at all? Hey, I'm okay, not a Yankees that's, fan. That's hey, all I'm Yankees cheated. I'm on. I'm on your side on that. Sure. Yeah, say the Yankees cheated too. I hate the Yankees, so it's fine by me. <laughs> Kick them both out. <laughs> Twenty-eight <laughs> teams. Let's go. <laughs> All right. So, anyways, spring training started. Baseball is finally back in action. Uh, players are already getting injured, and people are booing the Astros as they're on the field. It's going to be an interesting season. Interesting spring training. I'm excited. I wish I lived in Arizona. Alas, I live in Wisconsin. But uh, it is what it is, so no baseball yet, but it's coming. Uh, I did get my first engraved fungo, though, the other day. It came in the mail. said Coach Vossen on it. That felt pretty great. Nice. It'll probably last about a week before I snap it. dangerous with that bad boy. <laughs> I'll never forget <laughs> when I was a senior and I was I was out there doing uh, our fall warm-ups for practice or whatever it's called, fall practices. Coach Garrison's like – he wasn't allowed to take part in the practices or whatever because of NCAA rules. He's like, all right, Jake, here's my fungo. Hit the, some fly balls out to the freshman and sophomore. Don't break it. After, like, the fifth swing, I just heard a little a little snap, and I was like, dang it. <laughs> this, He's stupid for giving you the bag. He should have known. Sucks. <laughs> he listens to the show, too, probably, and I do apologize for calling you stupid. <laughs> yeah, way to go. Call Coach stupid. Jeez, man. Yeah, it wasn't very smart. We'll go with that. <laughs> All right, anyways, AL Central, possibly the weakest division in baseball, has been for a few, quite a few years, I would say. Um, definitely the poorest division in baseball, I would say, as far as the size of the markets. So just a quick, quick roundup. We have the Chicago White Sox, the Cleveland Indians, Minnesota Twins, Detroit Tigers, Kansas City Royals, and uh, that's five, right? Yeah, that's all of them. So... I want to hear your guys' opinions. This is my division, right? The Indians are here in here. What are your guys' opinions about how this division is going to shake up? The Twins did win last year. They had the most home runs ever, and they had over 100 wins. So, you guys expecting a repeat or what? Um, I think we can... Go, go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. Right. No, you go ahead. So, uh, I'll go I ahead. Think that, I think the Twins can be, expect a little bit of regression. Uh, I still think that they'll still win the AL Central just because it's so weak, but I... I, I think a little bit of regression is uh, kind of expected. Um, you know, I see uh, the Royals, Tigers, they're non-contenders. Uh, you know, the Indians, I just think because of the weak division, they'll be there. Uh, and then watch out for the White Sox, you know, potentially. And I, well, I'd like to get in more detail with them, but, uh, you know, there's it's really a two-horse two horse race between the Twins and the, the Indians, in my opinion, and then, the White Sox are coming. I think the White Sox could be a around 500 team, maybe, especially getting to play the Tigers and Royals so much, and getting to play the Orioles and um, well, who knows about the rest of the AL East? We'll see what happens with that. But you're going to be able to clean up on some of those teams that don't play so well, and then I think the White Sox are going to be somewhere around 500. I don't know if they'll be above or not, but somewhere around there. But I would agree, Twins and Indians. It, I think it's going to be pretty close either way. I think it could go either way. I would probably give the edge to the Twins, 
They definitely have the edge in offense, and I would say the Indians have the clear edge uh, pitching-wise. But in today's day and age, that huge edge in offense is pretty pretty uh, important for sure. I would definitely agree with you if Clevenger could stay healthy. Well, I mean, we'll he, he had an injury last year, and... In the time that he was healthy, he was the best pitcher in the American League. He just didn't play a full season, so he didn't qualify for a lot of those votes. Um, but he also should come back before the season actually starts with the injury he has now. So I expect him to be back in full force. Patel or Tear, can, it's four to six week injury. Uh, I think they said four to six week repair. Or I can't think recovery. And it can be much faster even. So they expect him to be ready to pitch by opening day so that's that's good news at least for indians fans but yeah clevenger uh bieber and, um, and many others carrasco still too so it should be a pretty good pitching Pluko, staff Savale. yeah pluco is pluco he's a five he's nice to have but i like Savale a lot more though for sure i love aaron Savale. and there's more there's more coming too in the minor system which is really cool uh, I'm surprised we haven't traded a lot of guys because there's a lot of a lot of guys who are major league ready, but just with the pitching staff that we have, aren't going to be coming up. I'm also seeing a partial meniscus tear. In that's Clevenger's that's what it was. Partial meniscus. I said patellar. I meant to say meniscus. Okay. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yep. What about you, James? What are you thinking with the AL Central Twins Indians uh, race? Uh, I broke it up into three categories. Uh, you got the bottom, the scrubs which is Kansas City and Detroit. And I feel mm-hmm. like Kansas City's still on a decline. I feel like Detroit's in a slight uptick. I mean, they got a couple of decent pitchers that they can build around. Um, but they still both are horrible, and they're definitely, I think, going to be in last. Mm-hmm. And then I got the top, which is I have the Twins and the Indians. Um, I, I think it's going to be a toss-up. I think it's going to be a lot closer this year. I think it's going to come down like to the last week like it usually does. Mm-hmm. Um. I, yeah, I, I expect them to win. both be around like 95 wins, and yeah, for for it to be within two or three games of there. So that's my that's my expect expectation. Yeah, and then I have the White Sox in the middle, who are I think one of the fastest. Uh, they're kind of like the Cubs, like they were bad and they were pretty good and they were very good. I feel like they're in that pretty good section right now. Like they have all the pieces they need. I think they just need one or two more players to put them over. Uh, to get above like 90 wins, which I think will be in the next couple of years, but not this year. Is Michael Kopik ready to start now? Is he healthy and he is ready to roll? So I'm looking on MLB.com and they've got him listed as their sixth pitcher in the rotation, but I don't foresee that being the case at all. Do you? Do you guys? Well, so I'm looking at the rotation now. They're saying Lucas Giolito. He's their, he's their ace, number mm-hmm. one. We have Dallas Keuchel, number two. Uh, those two guys are locks. Dylan Cease, he's probably a lock three. And then I have, have him Gio. at five on ESPN. Well, yeah, and then you have Gio Gonzalez and R- Ronaldo Lopez. Mm-hmm. I see yep. Ronaldo Lopez is potentially I someone th- who could fall out. I see Lopez getting the bump, yeah. And Kopik, I mean, he's the number one prospect in baseball last year, right? He's got to be up. Yeah, definitely. Their offense the top is of, really good. Mm-hmm. They've got Tim Anderson, Yohan Makata, uh, Jose yeah, Abreu. Yep. Amos are out in right field. And Eloy Jimenez. Jimenez. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep well, and then you got the sec- at second base, you got Nico, uh, Nick Mad- Madrigal, who Madrigal. was drafted two years ago. But uh, to me, I, I think they're they're really close. 
and they might even overachieve, kind of like a Astros in 2015 that mm-hmm. no one really expected them to make the playoffs, and they did. Or like the Twins last year. Well, I think the Twins they they really had the talent, so you could kind of see it, kind of see where it could happen. But no, but very ago. very few people were calling that before the season started last year, though. True, but the Twins did have quite a few veteran players that they were building around. The they, Astros were just all young players. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, so, the White Sox have some veterans though. They've got Encarnacion and Abreu. They've got Tim Anderson. Agreed. Um, they've got Mazzara has been playing for a while. They've got Yasmani Grandal. I mean, really, I agree, but I, they, I they've think, got some solid if, stars. If, if they're going to take that next step, they have to rely on those young, maybe young star players to mm-hmm. be stars. Yeah, they need Eloy. They need Luis Robert. They need uh, Yoan Makata to be stars to yeah. take that next step. A lot of them just need to turn into who, who Tim Anderson turned into last year. Yeah, it should be a pretty honestly. It should be a more interesting division than it has been lately. I think that, I think that every year uh, you've kind of known who was going to win the division the last, honestly, five, six, seven years. Last year was a surprise with the Twins, um, but I mean they honestly took control in the first month of the season and never really looked back. So, I think it should be a pretty interesting race. I still expect the Twins or the Indians to win it, but I think the White Sox will be an interesting team for sure. At least over the next five years. Oh, yeah, it'd be, it's definitely those three. I mean, I looked mm-hmm. at Kansas City and they are just. Oh, no. I, I don't know what they're doing. I mean, there. I honestly don't even want to waste time with Kansas City and Detroit right now. They're not trying to compete. They have two of the lowest um, two of the lowest payrolls in baseball because they're just trying to get as many prospects as they can. But the thing is, is those are two teams that had World Series runs and they had to spend a lot of money to get the players that they had in there. And now they're stuck with having people like Alex Gordon and uh, Miguel Cabrera on their roster just taking money. So, uh, what are you going to do? Just can't you know what I mean? That the stinking uh, Royals won the World Series five years ago, and now look at them. Mm-hmm. It's amazing I mean, what can change in five years. Look at the Giants. They went from winning yeah. every other year to who they are now. So. It's crazy what can happen in baseball. Look at the Astros. They were the Astros, and then now they're the best team in baseball, arguably. Cheaters. Yeah. I guess you can you can do anything when you know a pitch is hey, coming. at least you have Michael Brantley. <laughs> you know, it's not necessary, James. <laughs> we I have feelings, too. <clears throat> All right, continue on. Anyways, enough of the – back to the AL East. <laughs> uh, Central. Yeah, Central. Yeah, okay. Central, whatever. So let's talk about these two rosters, the Twins and the Indians. Let's compare them and see which team we think is better. I guess I think that'd be a fun little exercise. So yeah. let's look. Start with starting pitching. We have Mike Clevenger, Shane Beaver, Carlos Carrasco, Zach Plesac, Aaron Savali. That's a starting five, and those are five outside of Carrasco, five young starting pitchers who are really coming into their own. Um, would be ones and twos on every team besides this team. I would say. well, not every team, but most teams. Um, so I, that's a clear edge compared to Minnesota. Um, so, Jake, I have a quick question for you. Okay, quick uh, answer. I know most everyone knows Bieber and Clevenger. Mm-hmm. Uh, out, of, out of the last three guys, which which guy do, would you say has the biggest chance to take that next level out of those last okay, three Okay, so Carrasco is already has been an ace. 
Um, it's only because of freak injuries, like getting a ball to the shin that he's had an injury two years ago. And then last year, his battle with cancer. So I'm going to remove him from that question. But then I look at Zach Plesak and Aaron Savali and Plesak has the stuff, right? And Savali has the control that has been really impressive. So I would say that I would think Plesak would be the next one to take the step. Um, he's 25 years old compared to Savali, who's a little bit younger, if I remember correctly. So I think Savali or Plesak would be the next one to kind of take that Bieber-like step. Yeah, Savali's 24, and um, he didn't pitch nearly as much as Plesak did last year either. Although his ERA was better, but I still like I still like uh, Plesak more. So out of those two, I would say Plesak. But I like both of them a lot. Why? What, did you have an opinion of your own? No, I just uh, oh, okay. I didn't know much about him. I I, I forgot about Carrasco, but uh, I didn't know if you thought he would bounce back because I know he was. I know a freak injury, but yeah, taking taking a lot of games off, uh, not taking off, but being out with a lot of right. lot of games, you could kind of lose your your uh, cons- um, kind of lose your rhythm there. It, yeah, he didn't. He didn't have a great year last year. I mean, again, he had did have the leukemia. Uh, he went six and seven with a five ERA, and that's in. He only started twelve games. He played twenty three, so he was in the bullpen for eleven games. So he had a pretty rough year, honestly. But I mean, what are you going to expect with that? So he claims to be back at full strength now. I mean, he's a career three point eight ERA pitcher, so I'm hoping he's going to be somewhere around there. Um, honestly, the thing that's hardest looking at this roster is not seeing Corey Kluber on there. It's it's weird, man. <laughs> it's going to be so weird seeing him in a Rangers jersey this year. <clears throat> I'm not looking forward to it. Yeah, We'll see what he does. He, he kills the Astros, and now he's on the Rangers. Um, but the Indians' offense is nothing to sneeze at, though. Uh, that we It was interesting. The most interesting thing about the Indians' offense this year is going to be the outfield. We have 10 outfielders that are all going to be vying for playing time. Um, Terry Francona talked to them at their spring meetings and individually said, look, nothing is decided in the outfield right now. All of you guys have different skill traits that are valuable. We can't obviously carry you all on the roster at the same time, but you're all major league ready, so you're all going to be competing for this these positions. I think Oscar Mercado is the clear center fielder. He hit. Home, 16 home runs last year in limited playing time. He only he's played. He's a right fielder now. Yeah, that's not going to happen. He's not going to play right. He's our out. He's our center fielder. Um, I don't think the Shields is a baller, man. At defense. Yeah, he just yeah, but he's he, but he's can't. Yeah, he's he's not hitting. offensive. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think that the outfielders are going to spend a lot of time going back and forth between playing in the outfield or being the DH, depending on what the lineup is. There's going to be a lot of platooning, like Jordan Luplo. Uh, what, does he smash lefties or does he smash righties? I forget which it is. Whichever it is, he hits one insanely well and the other one terribly. Um, and then the young this guy... Was, Go ahead. This was actually one of my uh, bold predictions, Jake. Okay, Can uh, hear it? For the Indians. Uh, my bold prediction is that Domingo Santana is going to be the Indians' MVP this season. I would love that. We got him really cheap. It'd be a nice little swing. I wouldn't say that he's going to be the MVP over Lindor and Ramirez, though. Well, um, I'm thinking Ramirez, Ramirez had a nice bounce back second half. 
All right, mm-hmm. so I'm thinking, you know, he can kind of get back to maybe the, you know, all MLB level. That'd be great. Uh, but I think that's that's what's expected from them. That's what's expected okay, from Okay, so you're saying so actually saying, value as in compared to how much they cost. Well, I'm saying that Santana, it's not going to be expected, but he's going to give you not maybe not Ramirez Lindor level, but close mm-hmm. to that level. I'm going to I'm thinking 30 to 35 home runs. I just don't think he'll average. I would love that. I just don't think he'll play enough for that. I think um, he's going to steal a spot and he's going to lock down a spot, honestly. Dude, I'd love his, that if you're if you're right. I've been we've been doing this platooning thing for years where we have our left fielders and right fielders moving around, especially since Brantley left and we didn't have a solid left fielder anymore. Um, but now he is awful in the field, but <laughs> the bat the bat plays. I could see Santana DHing if Reyes if, if Franmil Reyes plays in right field. Um, but he's terrible in the outfield, though, Reyes is. He should DH, yeah. too. I, I don't he's know. He's literally not listed at any position but DH on ESPN. Yeah, but he's, really he's been taking a ton of balls in the outfield. outfield. Yeah. Either. It's going to be so weird. I'm very interested to see how the Indians' outfield shakes up. Let me name the outfielders for us real quick. Jordan Luplo, platoon hitter. Oscar Mercado, he was a rookie last year. I met him. Great guy. Greg Allen, speedy defender. Eh. Steals bases, not great hitter, right? Jake Bowers was supposed to be a great hitter, hit like 214 last year. Uh, Delano DeShields, great defensive player, again, can't get on base. Reyes, power hitter, uh, which we need desperately. And then Domingo Sant- or Danny Santana, or is it Domingo? Domingo, Domingo Santana, Domingo. yep. So those guys are all playing for um, playing time in the outfield. And it's going to be an interesting watch. The infield is set. We got Jose Ramirez at third, Lindor at shortstop, Cesar Hernandez at second that we required this year from Philly, Carlos Santana playing first base, and then Perez catching. So I think we have the possibly the best defensive uh, infield in baseball. And uh, I disagree. Okay, give me a better defensive infield. Let me hear it. Uh, the Braves. Okay, I would disagree. All right, we have the best catch, defensive catcher in baseball, best uh, second best defensive shortstop after only uh, the what's his face in L.A. Um, Simmons. Yeah, Anderson Simmons, and then Jose Ramirez, I would say defensively is only behind um, Arenado and and in uh, San Diego. What's his name? The guy nobody likes. What? Who's the, the f- yeah Manny Machado? Manny Machado. Oh, I put Ramirez like, right behind those two. And Cesar Hernandez is a. Let's be honest, as far as second baseman, no one says, I "Oh, what a stud second baseman." Uh, the, he had like four errors all last season. Yeah, because the only ball you can hit to you as a second baseman is a slow roller. Hey, did does that matter to me? He's better. <laughs> he is better. He is better than Cesar Hernandez. I would agree with that. Anywho, continue. But um. That's a good infield. I'm just worried about the outfield depth. And then comparing comparing all that to the Twins, the Twins have the advantage offensively in almost every category except for shortstop, second base. That's it. Every other position they have it. They have Sano at first, Donaldson. Well, I would put Ramirez over Donaldson. And then outfield, though, they have it for sure. When you say you'll put Ramirez over Donaldson, you mean offensively or defensively? Oh, both. Ramirez is a better player. He's not. Interesting. 
He's not as old as Donaldson. He's a better hitter. He's a better defender. I think Donaldson's better, but that's my personal opinion. I, okay, that's your personal opinion. I would highly disagree. I'm, I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of split. I think they're I think they're honestly about the same to me. Donaldson had a better year last year, but we all know how Ramirez started last year. I think that this year Ramirez will show himself to be much better than Donaldson. That's the thing, though. I think Donaldson's been a perennial MVP candidate in the past, and you can kind of say the same for Ramirez, and you can kind of say the same that they've both kind of had their ups and downs throughout the past few years. Mm. True. True, true, true. But Ramirez did have a rough favorite year. player out of all of them is Eddie Rosario. That guy is so fun to watch. I do not like him at all. Oh, he's so <laughs> fun to watch. He is, but he always destroys us whenever he plays uh, us. <laughs> I pick him up in fantasy and in my other league every single year. Yeah, he, he's pretty good. Pretty solid player. <laughs> They've got Mitch Garver, too, though, as an offensive catcher, which is hard to find. <laughs> All right. And you got your super utility, Marwin Gonzalez. Yeah. Yep, Astro. Oh, and Cheetah. we didn't talk bullpens. Oh. Uh, Taylor Rogers is a <laughs> solid closer. Uh, they, but the Twins had a lot of problems with their bullpen last year. But they they cha- they fixed it. They did fix it at the end of the year. They actually, I think they have a very very good uh, uh, bullpen now. Yeah, minus I, Matt Whistler, he's absolutely horrendous. I'm interested to see what happens with their bullpen. Um, yes. Same with I the Indians too. We still have Brad Hand, who uh, two years ago was a great closer. Last year was iffy. You never know what happens with closers, though. They're always back and forth. But besides, I have no relief pitchers. I don't know any of these guys. Yeah, that's because you don't pay know. attention to baseball. I don't baseball. know any of the Twins relievers, but I did see James Karinchak. Karinchak. That guy's got some, mm-hmm. yeah, he's got some and gas. Eric, Eric Clace, I think is how you say it, from Texas, throws like 102 uh-huh. as well. We just got him in a trade. So. Oh, see, so yeah, I just got a bunch. Of, I, I don't know any of these people, so I don't know how to really tell you if I like if they're good or not. Tisk tisk, James. Got to get out of your, a- that, your NL East. Who the heck is Nat, Nick Wickren? Nick Wickren? Dude, he had a great year last year. Cool, cool. I think uh, Karen Check, whatever, however you say his last name, he'll probably be the closer at the end of the year. Really? That's Over Brad Hand? Fine. See, a cool thing about Brad Hand and with uh, and um, Terry Francona is he does not care about people where saying where they pitch. Yeah, they're like, look, I'll just pitch wherever you need me. So I'm excited <laughs> to see that happen. And I, I really, I really like James Karen Check, too. What's that? That's why I really wanted to get Brad Hand for Atlanta. Oh uh, yeah. Was it last year or last year or two years ago? One last of the years. Year, last year. Last year. The yeah, Indians were really the Indians were talking about trading it away when we were so far behind the twins then we almost caught up and passed them, but we didn't. Oh well, it is what it is. So there's our AL Central. I think we're all are we all picking the twins to win it? Yes. I, I hate to say it. I want the Indians to win it. I think they can. I can't do it. I gotta pick the Indians. Roll roll tribe. I hate to do this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to pick the Twins, but I'm actually no. going to pick the Indians. I'm picking I think the, the Indians. Twi- I think the Twins are going to have a little bit of regression. And I think it's going to be really close, kind of like what James said. Mm-hmm. Or what, I forget, James or Jake. But 92, I think it's going to be a, within two games by the end of the season. So, and, uh, my guess. going to take it by a game or two. My guess is the Indians sign Lindor before the end of March. Um,. And then we'll end up trading for one more guy at the trade deadline and make a run for the playoffs. That's my guess. We'll see what happens. All right, moving on. 
What are you guys' crazy stats for today? I didn't have one prepared, so I want to hear your guys' and then I have a little a little tale to tell. All right, so I'll go first since mine's a little shorter. Okay. And give James give James some more time. Uh, but since we're doing the AL Central, uh, you know, I was thinking of you know the teams in the teams in the AL Central, and I thought of the Royals, and I was thinking like, okay, what are some interesting things that's happened? I think of George Brett every time going after that umpire, mm. right? Uh, so I got mm. to thinking like, what are some other times that maybe a player has been upset with an umpire? So takes us back to early 1900s, Babe Ruth. Uh, when Babe Ruth was a pitcher for the Boston Red Sox, he punched the umpire after the umpire called four straight balls to start the game. He was he was thrown out and replaced by a player named Ernie Shore, who then got 27 consecutive outs without allowing a runner to reach base. <laughs> That's awesome. That is incredible. The guy threw a perfect game it didn't even probably warm up appropriately game. either. No, no way. All right, so <laughs> that was that was crazy stat number one. I wonder Just how much of that had to be done with the guy getting punched in the face and be like, "All right, I'm just gonna call strikes from now on." <laughs> <laughs> I want to get out of here. <laughs> just got punched by Babe Ruth was no small guy. Either, no, he so was not. He might have had a concussion and just been like, "Strike, strike, strike." <laughs> I anyway. balls. One of them's gotta be a strike. <laughs> So anyways, that's, that's my Babe Ruth story. One more. Uh, Ty Cobb, also known as having a bit of a mean streak. Uh, a, bit. a bit. So, yeah, just a little bit. So after umpire Billy Evans called Detroit Tigers hitter Rube Oldman out on a 3-2 pitch, Ty Cobb came to argue the call. Cobb was ready to fight Evans, but he did not want to be suspended, or did not want to fight because he thought he'd be suspended. So Evans suggested, this is the umpire, suggested that they could fight after the game. <laughs> so Ty Cobb took up the offer, and what ensued was a bloody fight that Cobb ended up winning. So, <laughs> sounds that. that sounds oh, just like oh, a Ty Cobb kind of thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's what I got. Pretty funny. I like it. James, what you got for us? Okay, I'm going to describe the person. I, so I did a person. He's Okay, so when I my favorite thing in baseball is actually small ball. I love singles, bunts, steals. Uh, sacrifices. It's like my favorite part of baseball. You would love watching me play baseball. Lots of sacrifices. <laughs> yeah. Anywho. So I'm going to describe this person. I'm not going to say their name, and I don't want you to answer so that when people listen, they can guess too. But then at the end, I will ask you. All right. Okay. Got it? Got it. Okay. This person uh, in 1994 batted 394 uh, in the whole season. The closest anyone to come and hitting 400 since Ted Williams. Um, this person uh, batted in the second half of the season. He batted 423, 472, 613. That was a slash line. Um, I already know who this it person. Is. Career second half batting average was 334. Okay, mm-hmm. he only struck out three times in one game ever in a 20-year career. Got it. Yep. No. All right, and this is his entire 20-year career. He only struck out 434 times, which averaged 21 Ks per season, which is absurd. It's ridiculous. One of the purest hitters of all time. Uh, since he debuted in 1982, there was only 46 other hitters who posted a season better than 350. This person had seven of those 46 alone. That's crazy. Um, 
He batted 300 in every single season but his rookie season, which he batted like 280. What a terrible season. <laughs> 280. <laughs> That's considered good he now. Bat- <laughs> I know. Uh, he batted over 319 straight games. Do you know who the current leader is in the MLB with seven straight? A hitting over 300? Yeah. Ooh, would it be Altuve? Nope. Miguel Cabrera. No, he. Yes. Yeah, it, it is, is Miguel it Cabrera. Is. Yeah. This fight. This is this stat came from last year, so I mm-hmm. should make that clear. Well, he may so have hit 300 last year. He was close. I know at the beginning of the year. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember if he hit 300 or not last year. All right, moving on. This person batted 302 and two strike counts, which is just <laughs> crazy. Uh, the, the second closest person to him. And the modern era is Wade Boggs at 260. He batted 42 wow. better than anyone. Wow. And Wade Boggs uh, was nothing to sneeze at. I know. He's a baller. In 1994, he batted 397 in a two-strike count. Jeez. On he did, 45, he's just taking pitches until he gets to two strikes so he can just take it. <laughs> yeah, all right, time to hit the ball. <laughs> time to hit. He never struck out. So it was like, yeah. I'm going to foul it off, foul it off, foul it off. Oh, there's a pitch. Boop. Double. <laughs> He must have he just been able a, to slow down time. I mean, that's just oh, crazy sorry. to be yeah. able to hit with such and command. I don't, I don't think he. I don't think he changed his swing either. That's the crazy thing. I think mm-hmm. he had the same swing. It was just smooth, quick, and a good, easy to try to hit the ball swing. But you would know you were the like only one that was alive, you old man. Not fine. <laughs> Anywho, on forty-five separate occasions, he had a four-hit game. Uh, which is 11 more times than he had on multiple strikeout games. Wow. So wow. he had more four-hit games than two strikeout games. 11 more. That's crazy. Yes. His career average against Greg Maddox, one of the best pitchers ever, was 415. <laughs> the, the, and that's number one against him out of everyone who's faced him at least 70 times. Oh, so over 70 times. Easily. Batted over 415. He also batted over 300 against Tom Glavin, Noel Ryan, John Smoltz, and Oral Hirsch. Hirschizer. Oral Hirschizer. Sorry, I couldn't say it right. It's okay, James. You know my speech impediment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In the past 100 years, nobody has more batting titles than him. Only Ty Cobb had 12. So Ty Cobb and then he seconds with eight. Ty Cobb had 12. Can we guess who it is? I, I got two more to go. <laughs> This is unbelievable. <laughs> this is blowing my mind. Uh, he has a 338 batting average, which is the highest in the expansion era. And it's not even that close. The person in second is Wade Boggs again. Uh, it, 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 oh, he had 10 points ahead of Wade Boggs. So Wade Boggs was at 328. Wow. Since World War II, this person is the only player to bat over 350 in five consecutive seasons. Only other three people to ever do that are Ty Cobb, Roger Hornsby, and Al Simmons. All right, go ahead. Who is it? Three, it's Tony two, Gwynn. One. Tony Gwynn. Yes. Yeah. He is like the most pure hitter ever. It's just like I love watching Ichiro play because he just likes he just loves to hit the ball. He doesn't mm-hmm. care. he can hit a home run every time, but he loves to hit the ball. I don't know about every time. Uh, most I mean he has a lot of power. <laughs> 
Ichiro he had power, yeah, he was. He was. But Tony Gwynn didn't care about that. He just mm-hmm. wanted to get on base. And he was very fast, too. He had a ton of steals. Yeah, Tony Gwynn was amazing. He really was. I wonder, I mean, they played in totally different times, so you can't really uh, quantify who would have been better, but I just would have loved to have seen Tony Gwynn and Mickey Mantle play at the same time. I would have seen Joe DiMaggio and Tony Gwynn play at the same time. That's true. That is all. We just need to have, like, we need to have a baseball field set up in, like, a cornfield (laughs) and have all these guys come play at the same time. I'm telling you, if we build it, that they will come. That should be like a movie. Yeah. It will come. <laughs> Here's the crazy thing about him, too. He's never won the MVP. In fact, he's never been above third in MVP voting with how good he was. That's crazy. That's awful. I wasn't aware he never won the MVP. Yeah. In 1984, yeah, he went. Th- he took third. That's crazy. That's absolutely he also, nuts. He also played every single game with a thing of tobacco in his mouth. Nah, he's well, probably why he died in 2014. Well, actually, that is why. But yeah. Well, exactly. I was just saying. Way to turn things dark, guys. Yeah, way to go, Wes. <laughs> to ruin my life. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, <laughs> Tony <laughs> Gwynn's awesome. Uh, but, yo, Tony Gwynn is awesome. San Diego Padre legend. Um, Mr. Padre. Yeah. It's gone too soon, but... An all-timer for sure. Good, good stats, guys. I should have looked one up. Um, I've actually got a, a funny story that I think you guys are both familiar with. We we have said that this show isn't going to be entirely about just the majors, so I want to tell a little personal baseball story that always gives me a good laugh. So, Wes, if you'll remember our senior year of baseball, playing at the old Maranatha Baptist University. Um, we had a, a pretty decent team, I would say. Um, some would say the best team that the school had ever seen. But <laughs> interesting. But um, as a group of seniors that we were all playing together, we drastically underperformed. It was a big, it was a pretty yes. big bummer. Yep. So the season's clicking along, yada yada. We're losing to some team. I don't remember what it was. Eleven to one, I think, something like that. I know we're down by ten runs, and it's this the last inning, or our, it's our it's our last at bat, and I come up to the plate with runners on second and third, nobody out, and uh, I'm like, all right, this is my chance here. I've had a rough season. I'm gonna come up here, get a base hit. It's not a bunt situation. I was catching the game. I was catch caught the whole game. Elijah was DHing for whoever our pitcher was. I think Clint was. Clint was pitching, so naturally we had a DH. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I shouldn't be making any jokes about hitting. <laughs> anyways, <laughs> anyways, I'm like, not a bunt situation. So finally I can swing the bat. Coach, you can't tell me to bunt. I get up to the plate, start, you know, my practice swings, and I hear, see Coach yell for Caleb Huffmaker, the freshman. The freshman who... During BP, all this boy did was swing for the fence. Didn't care about anything else. He wanted to hit a home run over the fence. And that's what his swing was. Uppercut straight to the sky, man. That's all this kid did. But he'd come into bat, and what did he do, Wes, every time? That dude raked. He raked? But it was like these worm burners, man, that somehow got through the infield. Like, 
This kid's not hitting line drives, but he's hitting these rockets straight in the ground that the shortstop just can't reach. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, all right, coach, I get it. I understand. I know. Not a great hitter. We need to try to get some runs here. I'm like, we're down 10. I don't know what we're doing, but whatever. Just go ahead, put him in. So I go in. I'm all mad, but I held it together. I was a pretty good teammate. I didn't, didn't do anything I shouldn't. And what does this kid do? He rips it's a home run. No, of course oh. not. Please. <laughs> that would have been awesome. <laughs> he rips a dribbler right between the shortstop and the third baseman. It's going just slow enough that the guy out in left field couldn't run up and grab the ball. Both guys score. Second and third come around. We're down by eight runs now. And during that inning, we went on to score ten runs and go up 12 to 11. And I'm just sitting on the bench the whole time. Watching it all happen, <laughs> I was just like, oh, if only I was the one to get the hit. I could be a part of this great moment, but it only happened because Coach made the right move to put me on the bench. <laughs> and ever since then, I've relived it. Well, then, whatever it was earlier this year, the school is like, on their social media page, is like, comment your favorite moment in school's history. Coach Garrison's like, Oh, the time we came back for the 10-run deficit in one inning. I was like, yep, that time you pulled me out. <laughs> the coach was like, hey, I didn't say it. <laughs> so, yeah, great there, moment. I hit a three-run double in that inning. Oh, did you? Congratulations, Wes. Yes. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> but Jake's on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm sitting in the dugout shooting planes down with my bat. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's funny because it's so true. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> hey, we became pretty good shots, let's be honest. But, yeah, it was a great moment. It was a cool game. Team won. It was awesome. But I'll never, for, I'll never forget that day when I'm getting in there ready. I'm ready to strike out, and then I just see Huffmaker jogging on up with his helmet on backwards. <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember, I remember one game, Illinois Tech. Uh, I'm on third base, and Huffmaker comes up to bat, and I'm like, Man, coach, like honestly, like he does not look like a baseball player. Oh no! And he was like, he was like, no, but uh, Duke can hit. I'm like, <laughs> Ain't no question about that. Yep. Yeah. Somehow, so, somehow he got it done, man. Good for him. Like, man, he just he just does not look like a baseball player, but Duke can hit. That's there was a, remember, uh, oh, what was that kid's name? Jed, our freshman year. Oh, you weren't here. There was this kid before because you came. The blonde head, Jed. Jed Hudland or Headland. Yep. Yeah, yep. I, I don't remember his name, but this kid played our freshman year. I don't even know if he played the whole season, but you know how we always went down to Tennessee for our spring trip. That kid had like in six games, he had like eight or nine hits, and they were all just these little bloopers to right field that just like nicked off of his bat. And we're like, what the heck is going on with this kid? The kid can hit. We go back to Wisconsin. I don't think he had another hit all season. <laughs> I think you're confusing him with Caleb Priggy. <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> Caleb Priggy was he was a much better player than Jed. Caleb, he hey, could, Caleb, Caleb hit well. He did hit well. Hard. And it wasn't hard. He did hit the ball as hard as he could, and it went to the right center field. <laughs> Every it, time. It worked. It, it worked. The kid also worked out more than anybody else on the team. Don't know how that how that worked out, but whatever. It is what it is, man. But yeah, figured I'd share some good old college baseball memories. Um, there's many more to come where that came from. 
Anyways, thank you for listening to the Swinging Bunt Podcast. James is going to dip out. Me and Wes are going to talk about the last episode of The Clone Wars that came out on Friday. Uh, feel free to listen. Thank you so much for listening. Next week, we will talk about the AL West, and then we're going to move into the National League the week after that. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. So long. Garage, the sawdust, that pine saw in the moss around every spring. When the winter thaw, we'd huddle around the radio, twist the broken knob. 7 10 a.m., no KJR. Dave Lee House's voice would echo throughout the yard. Couldn't have been older than 10, but to me and my friends, the voice on the other end might as well have been God's. 1995. The division series, Eggers up to bat, bottom of the 11th inning. Got the whole town listening, swung on and belted. The words distorted, Joy Core rounds third. Here comes Griffey, the throw to the place, not in time. My oh my, the Mariners win it. Yes, fireworks, they lit up that ceiling in the kingdom. We had just made history. All right, Wesley. So, Clone Wars, you watched it? Yes. All right. So, for anyone who listens to this, spoilers will be coming. If you have not watched Season 7, Episode 1 of The Clone Wars that debuted on February 21st, then don't listen to this because we're going to talk about it. Um, how'd you like it? I thought it was a good good start. I thought it was a good start. I liked uh, that it just jumped straight back into Clone Wars, not like... This is what's been happening since you were gone. You yeah. know, it just went, boom. Clone Wars is starting again. It's yeah. just the same thing you you were used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was... Uh, I thought we were going to see... Well, so I, I did cheat a little bit. I I kind of knew that the first couple of episodes were going to get right into the clones. But mm-hmm. uh, I did like it. I, I thought it was a good start. Uh, looking forward to, you know, it progressing. And mm-hmm. honestly, I'm... I can't wait till the end of the season seven, but you know I'm gonna wait till we get there. So I mean, I don't want the end to come because those last eight episodes, especially the last four episodes, are gonna be so yeah. awesome because we already know what the the arc is about, what those episodes are about. So like these last four is kind of like the appetizer, or these first four, I mean, are the appetizer. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, I love the story of the clones and the clones mm-hmm. wrestling with their part in the war and who they are. I mean, I, I always talk to people about it who are like, oh, I don't want to watch that. It's a cartoon. It's like the the themes that are in this show and the um, storytelling and everything is so much more than just some cartoon. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's got so much going for it. The whole idea of the clones struggling with being a, honestly, a slave race created to die for the Jedi to fight against robots. I mean, that's essentially who they are. And they have to struggle with that every day. So I find that to be a really interesting story. Me and Rachel were watching through the show. And we just went through the Umbara arc um, with Pong Krell the other day. And she was like, 
this was the first time the show actually captivated me and I was interested in it and wanting to you know pay attention to the whole thing and it's because that arc that the show has and it gets stronger and stronger as the show goes on where uh, characters like Rex and Fives and Echo and Cody where they're all having to struggle with you know why are we fighting this war why do we follow orders why do we see our brothers die and why do we risk our lives for just because we were engineered to do this is that the only reason why and it's really interesting too because you see the corruption like the Jedi should not be allowing this to happen the Jedi should be holding to their morals rather than you know taking control of this army of people who they claim to be you know sentient human beings and instead they're just you know using them for their bodies essentially they're they're droids who have independent thinking is how the jedi yeah. use them so yeah and i think i think if you're so if you're just watching star wars and you're like well i just want to watch the jedi i just want to watch you know the you know lightsaber battles if you watch if you go back to the, you mentioned the pong krell arc mm-hmm. i think that's a great arc to kind of uh it's a great arc to kind of understand the clone background it, it really right. gets a good it it's it's really great way to to get a buy into the clones because it really gives a great backstory. You really get to know a lot about them. I think that's a great starting point to kind of get a good buy in for the clones. Oh, yeah. I mean, you start to understand where they're coming from so much more uh, as you see their struggle. It, it's I love it. It's probably my favorite arc. The Maybe my second favorite arc. Obviously, the last one of season yeah. five is amazing. But. Um, I, I love the story of the clones, and it's very interesting. Um, so, more specifically talking about this episode, um, we've got this Bad Batch, which is genetically mutated clones uh, who have desirable mutations or desirable defects. Essentially, you have the one who they call Records, a extremely, extremely strong demolition-based clone who has the machine gun, and then you have... The one that they called um, Crosshair, who's yeah. your silent sniper guy. And then yeah. you have Tech, who's the genius. And then uh, Hunter, who's essentially Solid Snake or Rambo, you, I guess yeah. you would say. And that's their leader. So it's just this ragtag group of clones who do things in an unorthodox way. I thought they were interesting. I mean, they were kind of... Uh, my bro- I was talking to my brother about it. He said they seemed just kind of like a childish gimmick kind of thing. And to a, a point, like, I totally get what he's saying. Like, yeah, these these characters definitely appeal to kids, you know. Um, they don't they weren't very character-driven, but they were interesting, and it was cool to have them and see the dynamic between them and the regular clones that they called the Regs. It was a... Right. I thought it was a cool dynamic to add to the show, and seeing them work together to meet these goals was pretty cool. Same, and uh, bringing, bringing Echo back, that's an in- interesting turn. Yeah. Uh, I mean, losing Fives and Echo was some of the most riveting or, I mean, I don't want to say emotional, because none of the show I really ever found to be emotional, except for Ahsoka leaving at the end, but, you know, when you're actually connected to the characters, when those two guys died, it was like, man, these guys, you can't kill those guys, they've been in the show the whole time. So, if Echo found a, if they found a way to get Echo back in the show for the last eight episodes or whatever... I mean, I would love that. Who? How can you not love Echo and Fives? Yeah, I mean, th- those are those are Rex's boys, basically. Mm-hmm. And if you bring those guys back, and then, you know, eventually you'd probably take it away. But 
you know, at least that, that's what I would be assuming, that he would probably eventually die anyway, but... Um, I, they cannot be bring him back just to kill him again. That would be terrible. I couldn't I'm handle it saying. again. <laughs> I'm just saying, we saw Rex on uh, the Rebels, and we didn't see Echo. So. That's true. I'm interested so. to see how... I know the show is going to explain how Ahsoka gets away from Order 66. Um, I'm hoping they do. That they better. I know the show is going up into. So the last four episodes, they they address the siege of Mandalore, right? Yeah, this that that's what I was talking about. The, the end of the yeah. season, the last four episodes. That's that's the gold. That's the gold mine. It's yeah. th- that's going to be the best part of the show. Well, the plan for this siege of Mandalore when they're fighting against Darth Maul and whatever. It's supposed to be Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Ahsoka, and all yeah. of Anakin's clones, right? But then Obi-Wan and Anakin are getting called away to rescue the Chancellor, and it ends yep. up just being Ahsoka. So this is all taking place during Revenge of the Sith. So I'm very interested to see, because it's going to be Rex and Ahsoka together fighting against Maul and all of his forces. Very interested to see how Ahsoka and Rex break off from the Republic, because we know that Rex doesn't end up serving the Empire. So. Right. I'm very excited yeah. to see what happens with all that. I think it's interesting how I'll, I'll think I'll find it interesting how far the timeline intertwines with Episode Three. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Anakin and Obi Wan are pulled away, but then how far into Episode Three will these last four episodes get into? Yeah, I mean, if will it goes it right up to Order sixty six, that's what I would love to see. I would love to yeah, see definitely. Ahsoka fighting with the clones on. Um, Mandalore and seeing Order 66 kind of take over and her having to escape, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. technically, and, she's and not there, a Jedi. Is there anything with, with Maul? Is there any, uh, you know, is is Maul, uh, oh, is he safe from all this since it's Order 66? Or Yeah, you know? I mean, I feel like he would be just because Palpatine had those plans for him. Um, I think that, because he's, he, remember, Palpatine captured Maul at the end of the Clone Wars originally, right? And yeah. and he had begged him not to kill him. He says, oh, I'm not going to kill you. I have plans for you. I think that these plans are what Palpatine was talking about. Yeah, so um, I don't think that he escaped or anything. I mean, we'll see, I guess. How did you feel about the new animation style that they have for the faces of these guys? Did you notice it? Not, not too much. I did notice a little bit, but it didn't bother me too much. Uh, you know. I mean, everything's essentially the same. Um, yeah. As the show progressed originally, like in the original seasons back from 2008 to 2013 or whatever it was, um, the show did progress in art. I mean, you could see the production value getting better. Um, the graphics got better with the art. The it, Everything got much more detailed. The sound production was better. Uh, the story quality was better. I mean, watching season one and watching season five are like watching two totally different shows. Oh, uh, definitely, definitely. So I, I actually think... went back and watched uh, season one, episode one with my girlfriend last night. Oh yeah. Just, just going, you know, it's it's like a, it's like watching a t- completely different show. Oh yeah, it really is. It's, it's, it's night and day. Yeah, Rachel and I have been going through. Cause she's never seen it. We've been going through all like the best episodes in chronological order, and. Uh, as we're getting into the later seasons, she's like, oh, this show is much better now than it was at first. I'm like, yeah, it's much less childish, and it's much better art and storytelling and everything. So, I It was weird, so I did notice, as I've been watching the, sh- the show, I've noticed the differences because I'm watching the old stuff too. 
um, the faces look much more human than they did before. And it's a little weird um, because, like, you can read their facial expression and stuff, which before you never really did. It seemed a little more cartoony. So having them look a little more human uh, takes a little bit of getting used to. The clones, when they have their helmets on, you don't really notice. But, like, when they were talking to Anakin, he was making all these facial expressions. It, it was yeah, kind of different. Yeah, look in, yeah. look at it next time. And, like, his hair is moving a lot more independently. Before, like, all of their hair would either be perfectly still, like Obi-Wan's hair, or Anakin's hair, yeah. like, all moved as one mass. Uh, like clay hair. Exactly. So now it kind of moves, the wisps move a little more independently and stuff like that. I just know it's the stuff because I'm a nerd. It's what I do. But, <laughs> whatever. But, yeah, it definitely looks different. Takes Took a little bit of getting used to, but I loved the whole crystalline planet, like... Whenever those tanks were coming through, and they were breaking through the trees that looked like trees, but then when they hit it, it was like these crystals, and you could hear it shattering and everything. Did you notice that? Yeah, or uh, or sliding down the mountain. Oh yeah, that was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. it's so cool. I thought that was a really cool detail they added in. Like, really, it's really cool, touch, yeah. cool things like that, that. The show does that. It's like they had no reason they needed to do that, but they're just like, hey. What if we made this planet be out of crystal so everything is super brittle and breaks and sounds awesome when you step on it? Okay, cool. Let's do that. <laughs> it's, it's cool. I thought I thought it sounded a lot like those crystal animals that they had in uh, The Last Jedi. That's was, actually what I was just thinking about. Didn't it it kind of yeah, sound the same. The crystal wolves or mm-hmm. foxes, whatever you want to call them. I thought they sounded, it sounded very similar. Like whenever they were moving through that, that planet, it sounded like those little wolves running around, so... They probably yeah. may have gotten the idea from it, for all we know. Could be. But yeah. Well, I'm excited for the second episode. Comes out next Friday. We'll have to catch up on it then. Yeah, I think we'll have a, uh, you know, quite a bit. I think we'll, you know, obviously the last four episodes are when we'll have the most to talk about. But oh yeah. I think we'll we'll definitely have some more uh, meat and potatoes for this next episode. Yeah, I think so. They're gonna be looking for Echo, so should be pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll talk to you later, Wes. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Hope you liked our little Star Wars bit. Uh, yeah, we're nerds, so deal with it. And if you're hung, al- hung along, hung around this long, you probably are too. So thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Adios. Peace.